Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I am Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This show is brought to you by Lumet, L-U-M-E-N-T. They're a great lending source. Check them out at lumet.com, especially if you're in multifamily, senior housing, or residential-related properties. That's lumet.com. Well, we have a great show for you today. You know, all of you are probably familiar with Emerging Trends in Real Estate. This is a report This is in its 45th annual edition. It's done by PwC and Urban Land Institute. And I'd say it's one of the most respected reports uh, each year that comes out. And uh, it, it's 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 an amazing report. We'll have a link to it uh, on our show website at CREshow.com. We're going to talk about the highlights, and it's basically an outlook on real estate investment, development, finance, capital markets, property sectors, uh, metro areas across U.S. and Canada. You know, and as we in commercial real estate, we kind of want to uh, uh, skate where the puck is going, right? I mean, we want to look at the economy. We want to look at rates. Uh, we want to look at the cycles and property types and think about, hey, what we should we do moving forward? Buy, sell, lease, refinance, what's going on? This publication does a great job at that. Please welcome my guests. We have Tim Bodner and Andrew Alperstein. They're both partners with PwC. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us, Michael. Morning, Michael. Uh, good morning. So the first thing I'd like to ask you, about the respondents here to, today, and 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 guys, keep in mind, uh, the listeners, this is uh, sixteen. What uh, twelve hundred individuals are interviewed about this, and about six hundred people are personally interviewed. Uh, so uh, this is a great view of, of the market. And and guys, when you when you go over this report and, and you're involved in it, what's the overall trend? Kind of the feel, optimism, pessimism, kind of moving forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to start, Michael. I think what was so interesting in this year's publication was, number one, how sentiment was changing as we were completing the surveys and, um, and, and the interviews, right? When we started doing this in July, the 10-year treasury was, was still in the threes, mid threes. By the time we got to September, it was in high fours and, and really uh, had an impact on sentiment. Um, you know, we talk about a couple of key themes in the publication. Um, obviously, office usage and 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 downtowns and and, and what the future looks like. Um, in in that arena, we obviously talked about the availability and cost of debt, um, and um, the impact on on kind of pricing and and where prices need to reset to create a more robust transaction market. And then I think importantly, we we touched on some of the um, affordability aspects that the publication has always focused on. But to go back to your question, I think um, it was kind of a glass half full, glass half empty, depending on who you were talking to. Um, a lot of concerns out there, but a lot of folks with capital being patient, looking for opportunities um, as, as the market kind of resets. And there, the general outlook for profitability yeah, look, I think it was it was it was fairly optimistic given some of the headwinds, and I think it's testament to um, folks have seen some of these cycles before, and and are bullish about some of the opportunities that may present as 
uh, pricing resets as there's needs for capital in different parts of the capital stack. Um, so I think there was a kind of cautious optimism, Michael, as folks were uh, sharing their feedback with us. Well, that's good to hear. And I guess we're all thinking about the, the timing here of the market in, in this cycle. And uh, so, you know, what was the general consensus then from respondents related to timing? Obviously, transaction volume uh, is down across the country. What are their expectations moving forward for, the, I guess, the, the turnaround or recovery, if you will? Yeah, again, I'm happy to start and then Tim, you certainly jump in. I think, um, again, just going back to my previous comments, the fact that the 10-year Treasury moved as much as it did, as quick as it did, particularly in the third quarter of 23, slowed down you know, folks' expectations of when we might see a pickup in transactions. I think some folks were talking you know, end of 23, early 24. Now it feels like we're going to be well into 24 by the time we really see a meaningful uptick. So... Um, Again, I think folks are trying to be really patient and 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 careful about when they invest. Given um, there's still you, you know a, a fair number of, of uh, cautionary signs and, and unknowns in the market, so um, that's generally what we heard. But Tim certainly jump in there. Yeah, I I think the thing I would add to this, Michael, is is as we've spoken about you know around our deals outlook, we continue to see green shoots of activity in the market and 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 for, for i'm sure most yourself and your and your viewers are aware you know this is this week we had 30 billion dollars of transactions in the net lease space um announced and i think that's just the, the 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 driver of that is really at the end of the day the transaction market's always going to be cyclical there's always going to be peaks and valleys 21 was a tough comp um, and so I think people tend to anchor on that, but that was the highest transaction volume year we've ever had. Yeah. Uh, but we're starting to see certain types of market participants become much more active, including the public companies. And I think the driver of that, um, among other reasons, is kind of what you just asked Andrew about, which is what's firm profitability like. And the reality is, I think going into this new operating in the environment where interest rates are going to be higher for longer, you, the, the importance of scale and having a scalable operating model is just is critically important. Uh, and that's, I think, going to be a driver of more transactions in, in the public uh, public company space. Issue to that, we continue to see the, the sovereign wealth funds and the family offices being quite active uh, in, 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 a, in a variety of asset classes, including manufactured housing, logistics, uh, and the, even the private equity firms are starting to be active in certain sectors like data centers, as an example. So there's, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, activity going on. I think, what get, I think what happens is some of that gets lost because of the focus on the more traditional property types like office and retail. Right, right. Good point. What about the R word, the recession word? Yeah, you know, what is the outlook there from respondents? Uh, expect a soft landing or recession still headed our way? Um, I, I think um, it was it was pretty mixed, actually, Michael. I think some some folks, you know, and again, the Fed obviously came out this week, right, with some some 
some kind of updated perspective and, and treasuries are down. But I think at, at the time of the publication, this higher for longer perspective um, was very kind of pronounced um, and the expectation that that would slow, um, slow down corporate earnings, uh, slow down investments, um, and that there would be some, you know, recessionary impacts, whether it's a economically defined recession, I think folks were less concerned about, but more to your earlier point, the timing of when can we kind of get back to business as usual. Um, but there was definitely an acknowledgement that this higher, higher for longer rates is going to be with us and is going to impact um, not just the real estate space, but broader, the broader economy. Um, so it was, it was kind of a mixed uh, response um, on that basis. I think the thing, Michael, I would add just on this one is it's it's number one. It's really hard to tell, right? Just where what's going on because the the it's so fluid and like even this morning we had we had a jobs number that was below expectations and that's off of a number that beat expectations significantly in the last announcement. So it's it's a very dynamic situation. It feels like people are moving towards um, the probability that there's unlikely to be a recession or and and that will have a soft landing having said all that i will tell you that there is growing concern um from from folks candidly around the world around the effect that some of the um geopolitical environment will will have on the overall economy and does that cause incremental inflation in the system that's really uncontrollable by the federal bank so there are there are some some risks out there that are that are um, I think candidly just out of everyone's control and I think we'll have to take as they come and that's kind of the most significant one that we you know in our business and I think our clients are are spending a lot of time trying to think about how they would how they would respond if um, if there's further inflation because of some of those geopolitical factors or other other effects. Yeah, and that brings up a good question about. Uh inflation you know the fed uh, just paused the raise hike uh, just recently uh which was, was good news and i thought it was smart what are the expectations related to inflation moving forward i would tell you that for most folks um in in the real estate space inflation has gotten has moderated significantly whether it's construction costs um salaries and wages like it is all moderated it's still i would say inflated relative to historical norms but certainly kind of more under control uh, in addition to supply chain concerns that were a major factor in our prior year's publication so um i, I would say inflation was less of a immediate concern than just the higher rate environment and what that does for um, the cost of borrowing um, transaction pricing and, and the like what about uh, respondents' uh, view of uh, acquisitions uh, moving forward? It seems like uh, for a lot of buyers, it's uh, maybe a good time. Uh, maybe they get into lower bases. Maybe they have lesser competition, or, or maybe there's some assets available that uh, weren't available uh, in the past. What, what did you hear there? Yeah, look, I, it, it's very clear that um, folks are going to need to do more homework to get deals done in this environment. Um, and you'll see we have our, our usual top 10 in the publication. Even within those top 10, there's markets and there's assets that are going to be desirable versus not desirable. And I think 
what what came through loud and clear and we highlighted in the publication is while there's still geographic preference um each sub market and each asset is going to have a different uh different story so i think the view is folks are going to have to work a bit harder um we've obviously lost to a large extent office as a as a component of the investable universe and so i think folks are looking really carefully at at the at the allocations to say you know where are the places that are going to be winners in this environment like tim talked about data centers and manufactured housing and some of those um in addition uh we're hearing more folks talk about going in basis as as a metric that they're looking at incremental to the traditional you know irrs and things like that so we're starting to see folks look at a going in basis whether it's per square foot um per acre whatever the case may be as as another metric in this environment to to evaluate and pursue opportunities Michael, the one, I just want to drill on one point Andrew said, because I think it's really, really important, and that's that folks are going to have to work a little bit harder and do their homework. I, I will tell you that running an investment business in this market is much different than it has been for the last 50 years, right? It's, it's, it's going to be different, and there's a whole range of things that people are going to have to underwrite that they've not had to underwrite before. One of those things is is a... Uh, a period of significantly higher insurance costs. In fact, I was at something yesterday where uh, a very senior executive uh, shared that over the next 10 to 15 years, we're going to see a 300% increase in insurance cost premiums, which is just astounding. And uh, one of the folks that was in the room with me asked, what percentage of the costs would do they, or revenue do they think that would be? And he said, he thinks it's going to be going to get up to about 5%. And that's relative to like a historical period where it was like less than 1%. So underwriting that is, 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 is going to require a lot of careful thought. And I don't think that the market has had to do that really, you know, for the last 50 years. So that's, that's, that's one thing. The other thing that I think I would I would just highlight is that there's a much more of a focus on value creation and what the actual business plan is. I think for a long time, you know, there was less focus on that during the early stages of the deal. And now, because of the points that Andrew mentioned, it's just dramatically more important. So the mindset of deal professionals, I think, needs to change in this environment uh, for, for a whole range of reasons, many of which we've already talked. Yeah, good points. Good points. Uh, we're interviewing Tim Bodner and Andrew Alperstein. They're partners with PwC about the 2024 emerging trends in real estate. And um, it's, a, it's a great publication, guys. And what were the thoughts from respondents and in interviews related to values um, and expectations there moving forward? Well, um, it came up in every conversation, to be clear. Um, the perspective was, um, you know, the, the appraisal community has has um, followed their protocols to adjust values. That takes time. It doesn't adjust as quickly as the public markets. We had some robust conversation with with clients and, and, and in our interviews just around um, historically how that has manifested itself and what we expect going forward. I think the perspective is we've got um, in most property types, more write downs to come in this uh, higher rate environment. Um, we're seeing 
the private real estate values continue to, I would say, notch down quarter over quarter. Um, but there's still, you know, there's still a bid ask spread out there for sure. And there's still a spread between where public REITs are being valued and the kind of implied cap rates and, and where private real estate is. So um, there's still some room to run there, Michael, just in terms of private real estate values and, 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 the, and, and the adjustment for um, not only higher rates, higher capital markets assumptions, but also some of the points that Tim talked about, higher insurance costs, slowdown in rent growth in certain property types and, and so on. Right. What do you guys uh, see on the publication and uh, respondents about the top markets uh, around the country? Yeah, it, it, it thematically it was fairly consistent with with prior years. Um, the Sun Belt continues to look most promising given some of the demographic trends, cost of living, um, you know, a lot of corporate um, relocations and so on. Um, you know, there's there's cities like Boston where 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 I live, which which has a different um, kind of profile. But those demographic trends, albeit they have slowed, are still driving you know a lot of um, kind of investor perspective and sentiment. And you'll see a lot of familiar names on that top ten list. You know, Nashville, Dallas, Raleigh, Durham, and, and so on. Um, so that. That demographic trend continues to drive um, uh, that 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 preference um, towards those primarily Sunbelt markets. What were the top three markets that uh, won the votes, if you will? So, so Nashville was number one again, okay. um, uh, which uh, which which is impressive. We had uh, Phoenix at number two, and what mm-hmm. I would say about Phoenix is um, there are some concerns about supply there. Um, but some of the demographic trends um, are, are hard to uh, hard to debate, and then we had Dallas at, at number three. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's interesting because a lot of these markets have had very good um, performance over recent years. Um, I think the perspective still is on a relative basis with the demographic shifts that we've seen in the United States. Those will continue to outperform on a relative basis. However, going back to the earlier point, I think within those markets. Work needs to be done on specific submarkets, specific property types, and specific assets. Yeah, good point. Well, I'm headquartered in Atlanta. Did Atlanta make the top ten? It did. Atlanta was number four, Michael. So, oh. um, snuck into the top five, and I think justified. A um, lot of positive momentum there, particularly um, in the multifamily and industrial sectors. Right. And let's talk about sectors. I think you know our listeners are very astute and, and everybody has, has realized that uh, multifamily is still doing strong and, and everybody's interested in it multi- and uh, industrial. And then some of the smaller uh, sectors like build, build a rent and, and those type of sectors. Did anything surprise you guys uh, on the sector outlook and interest? Well, I think, I think a couple of things I would highlight and, and Tim will certainly jump in here. I think um, number one, retail has has bounced back phenomenally well. Um, you know, retail was coming out of COVID, and and even before COVID had had largely been discarded and largely tainted because of some of the mall product that that had been overbuilt. Um, and when we look at both sentiment and performance, retail, particularly uh, grocery anchored and, and experiential retail, is doing fantastically well. Um, 
and had always been trading at higher kind of implied cap rates and so didn't didn't have um, as much um, pressure from the higher rate environment. So we've seen uh, retail stay um, stay strong and continues to be, um, you know, have tailwinds from, from e-commerce. I think the alternative property types, and, and both Tim and I mentioned this earlier, data centers, manufactured housing, single-family rental, um, have become much more pronounced in investor portfolios. And I think, you know, as you as you bifurcate those out, the data center story is is accelerated by AI. Manufactured housing, single-family rental um, are going to be are going to have tailwinds around the cost of of ownership and the desire for our folks to have more space um, in their in their living environment. So um, we expect those trends to continue, um, and those were just some of the ones, Michael, that probably stood out very consistently as we as we went through the interviews. All right. And, and guys, as you, uh, as we finish up our show here today, um, what are some opportunities uh, for uh, these uh, real estate companies moving forward uh, that came out of this report and, and your view? Well, I think there was a couple, a couple of areas, Mike. I think number one is um, a lot of folks looking at, um, recapitalization opportunities that will become necessary as, as debt maturities start to <clears throat> accelerate. Um, and there will be opportunities to get access to really good assets, but potentially in a different part of the capital stack. It may not be a traditional equity play. It may not be a traditional first mortgage play. It may be something in between preferred equity, mezzanine, and so on, at very favorable returns. Um, and so we, we have a lot of clients and folks in the survey that we're really looking at that um, very opportunistically and, and um, with a lot of interest. Um, so that, that was probably the one area. I think there were some contrarians who are looking at office saying there's going to be some basis plays of really good assets and really good markets. Um, I would tell you that was the minority, but there were certainly some um, who see it as kind of a generational opportunity to potentially um, acquire some really good assets. Um, and I think just generally that theme, whether it's in multifamily or industrial, I think there's a lot of folks looking at some uh, opportunistic type um, entries into either markets or asset types that that um, will be caused by distress or, or uh, debt maturities. Um, and then I think to the earlier point, this interest in alternative property types is, is here to stay. Um, and um, we'll, we expect to see you know, probably more activity in those areas going forward. Um, uh, just, just given some of the demographic and other kind of characteristics that drive um, the outlook for those property types. Yeah, I, maybe just uh, add a comment here, Michael. And the, 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 this, this world is just so fluid, and the operating environment is so fluid. So, you know, it's this. The report is, you know, it. it touches on some of these things, but I think the things that we would kind of, that we're, we're kind of focused on is number one, and Andrew touched on it a little bit, is one, the shift into private credit. And the reality is one head of uh, a very large uh, investor said to me, he thinks that we're going, we're going through a great wealth transfer from, from equity to debt over the next 10 to 15 years, where over the last 50 we've got, we've, we've spent that. So I think that's a, that's a trend to watch. And I think there's multiple different ways that people will express it, but the, the role of private credit 
is going to be much more significant than it has been, and the number of market participants will play on that. I think the on the sectors, affordable housing, all things related to to um, capitalizing on the on the trends in in an artificial intelligence and data, like data centers being one of them, and then investment opportunities driven by change by a shifting regulatory environment. I mean, just last week we had you know, the federal government announced a, a, a program that's favorable to conversions. And so it'd be interesting to see what what investors do to capitalize on, on that. We've talked in the past on your show about conversions and how significant that will be. And so I, we, I do think we'll see more people try to take advantage of that program to repurpose office assets given like andrew said it's it's viewed today to be relatively uninvestable in a, in a lot of in a lot of places yeah yeah a good point and and uh my my prediction is that office uh, demand will rebound faster than we all think right now so i guess uh, we'll see how that plays out final thoughts gentlemen um andrew take take us yeah like I started, Michael, it was it was a fascinating year to do to do these interviews because of some of the uncertainties and, and the fluidity that Tim touched on. I think we were encouraged by um, how many clients were kind of on the front foot, still looking um, clients and interviewees looking for opportunities. Very different to 08 and 09, where everyone was, you know, on the sidelines permanently. Now it feels, um, you know, folks are more on the front foot. Again, not to say that we're going to see transaction volume spike in the next uh, month or two, but um, I, I think there's, um, there's there's more patience in the industry to, to to see us through this. I think Tim made a really good point about some of the, call it black swan and, and geopolitical type events that can really um, uh, you know, cause disruption to to – to, to this recovery, um, and that's something we've got to keep a close eye on, uh, particularly given some of the uh, unfortunate events in the last couple of weeks. Right, just shows how, how quickly things can change. But overall, it was it was um, again from my perspective uh, pleasantly um, surprising just to, to to hear from folks that um, you know they're looking looking for opportunities. It, it may take a little while, but um, Again, they're kind of on the front foot looking for those opportunities as we navigate kind of some of the, the topics we've talked about. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything you want to add there. Uh, I, I've said this before on your show, Michael, and I'll say it again. And Andrew made the point earlier. I mean, the reality is that uh, this is not the first rodeo for uh, people that run many of their businesses. I think the biggest challenge that, you know, in addition to some of the points that Andrew mentioned is, is that a lot of people that work inside of these businesses haven't operated in this kind of an environment before. And I think the challenge for 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 us that have gone through some of these cycles in the past is to kind of help people focused on the long term and how to be creative in this market cycle because the, you know there are there are opportunities in this market. There's there's three trillion dollars of private capital on the sidelines. You know, there's a robust public market. And so there's you know, things will, 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 we will get through this. It's just going to take more creative creativity and patience to Andrew's point. Yeah. Good point. Uh, gentlemen, great, uh, great report, uh, great review of it and highlights. Thank you for being on the show.
Happy to do it. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Michael. All right. And thank you for joining us around the country. We'll have a link to the show. This is the 2024 Emerging Trends in Real Estate Report at CREshow.com. Hey, please share the show. Please connect with us. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh. And join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For commercial brokerage sales and leasing in the Southeast U.S., contact our show host by email at michael at bullrealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success Strategies, 21 incredible one-hour agent training videos. Learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. And by Lumet. For senior housing, healthcare, and multifamily financing, visit lumet.com. For more podcasts and videos, subscribe and visit CREshow.com.